0: Thank you, Travis. I thank the Lord uh, for giving me this opportunity and also uh, Pastor Travis and all his team uh, for giving this wonderful opportunity uh, to speak for 10 minutes. Yeah, so uh, as I was praying, actually, like uh, when I came to know about this 10 minutes thing, uh, like uh, almost like one month back. So I was seeking the Lord, asking like, what should I speak? And every time I was getting only one thing. It was about worship. Worship and also I have seen the transformation over here. The worship has been different. Like especially since last one month, like worship time has been like just, like it has been short. That's what I have been feeling. Like it was like so much soaking inside, like I was enjoying. So I want to speak about uh, that thing. Like let us read like from Matthew chapter nine, verse 18. It is said like, while he was saying these things to them, a ruler, a synagogue official, entered and kneeled down and worshipped him, saying, my daughter has just now died. Come, lay your hands on her and she will be alive. You see, like, this person was not an ordinary person. He was a ruler of synagogue. And he was also a father. He had only one daughter. In the book of Luke, it is said, like the daughter's age is like 12 years of old. Like he had only one daughter, no parents should go to this circumstance. What he has went, there is one daughter he was having. She was dead, and now he is coming towards Jesus. There is a way to approach to Jesus. The first thing what he does is like he is kneeling down, and he is worshiping, and then he is saying, "Come, lay your hands." You see, like sometimes, like even in our life like when things are going right like okay we can easily worship the lord but then if things are not going the way we want we don't even feel like to worship like we don't feel like okay to go and seek the lord like everyone can praise god when like even the people who are not believing in christ they are also praising god like for example if a person is just about to meet with an accident and he is saved he will say like thank god i'm saved from an accident thank god i got a promotion Like everyone is praising God, but God is seeking another level where it's not about just the circumstances. Like even when the circumstances are worst, but still you are going and you are praising the Lord. That's what God is looking after. Like even when that brother said uh, in the middle of worship, like, okay, when we are praising, we are actually doing the spiritual warfare And that's what God wants us, like seeking Him in truth, seeking Him not about the circumstances, but even in the worst circumstances as well, just like this father did. His father, like the daughter was dead. Dead means it is done, over. That's what we feel. He went, he worshiped, and then he is asking, Lord, you touch my daughter. She will be alive. Another instance in the Bible is the book of Acts. And this is very important. In the book of Acts, chapter 16, Verse 25, but about the midnight when Paul and Cilius was praying, singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening. Now this is very important, 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the very foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the doors were opened and everyone's chain were unfastened. Maybe you are going through circumstances like you don't know what is going to happen. Even this Paul and Cilius, they were praising. They they were just praying to God in the midnight. They were worshipping. People were listening. And then there is a sudden move where the Bible says it's not just about the prison door where Paul and Cilius were there. It is mentioning that all the doors were open. And not only all the doors, but all the chains were open. So, if God is raising you even in your family you are the only one like you are praising God and you are like there is some issue is going on your children are having issue your your husband is having issue but as God is raising you up it's not about like your chains are getting open but even your family even your surrounding it affects your community as well like the same way when we are worshipping right now to the Lord we are here but there is something going on in Ukraine over there we are praying over here but our worship can even affect over there amen so this is what I had like it's about the worship it's about like seeking the Lord and not about the circumstances even the worst circumstances as well we can seek the Lord Bible says death and life lies in the power of tongue if we see when we are worshiping what we are doing we are declaring with our mouth we are saying god you are higher we had a, a, one song over here that there is no grave which is uh, where, where i can go over there like we are declaring the kingdomship where we are partnering with the lord it's a spiritual warfare where we are saying god you are the higher god you can do things god even there is a death situation you can do things and as we are praising the lord as we are seeking the lord there is a transformation which is happening where the hope which is dead like the things which are done, like you may be having the situation, like for example, you may be having the sickness. Your, your doctor might have said, it is over, it is done. The hope is dead for me as well. Like one year back, I was having COVID. The doctor said, it is not going to like uh, help you. Like it, it will take the three months, four months. The hope was dead, but still we were seeking the Lord. As I was seeking the Lord, the Lord delivered me instantly. In that, in that worship, I just vomited out. All the symptoms were gone. I have seen the miracles. I have seen the power. So as we seek the Lord, as we seek the worship, as as this father, his daughter was dead, as he was seeking the Lord, there was a transformation in his mind where he can see above and beyond, where he can see like not just physical stuff, but he we can see like, oh, there is a God who is above the situation where he can say, God, you touch, you touch my daughter. You are going to make her raise up from the dead. Amen. So this is what I had to say and I just want to pray for each and every one. Thank you Father. Thank you Lord Jesus, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to seek you, Lord, like never before, Lord. Lord, it is not just about words, Lord, but it is about your spirit, Lord. Help us to go into the deeper realm, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord. Even we submit that situation, Lord, that stubborn situation, Lord, that stubborn bondage, Lord, we submit to you, Lord. You can break that bondage, Lord. You can break that sickness, Lord. Thank you, Father, for doing this. Thank you, Lord, for touching each and every one In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen.
1: Good job, Lexi, man. Love it. That's so awesome. Um, You know, worship. There's been a number of times in my life where I was in so much pain, where I I just wanted out of the pain, and I knew that that was the greatest moment that I had. So I would begin to worship the Lord in my pain. When my flesh was screaming, I just began to worship him because I realized I will never get a chance to worship Jesus in heaven like I can worship him now. You realize that? Right now, as we're going through life, which is hard and difficult, in heaven, we're all going to worship. We're going to worship and we're going to enjoy the presence of God, and it's going to be amazing and we're just gonna be blown away, but right now we have an opportunity to touch God in a way that we'll never be able to touch him in eternity. When we're sitting through difficulties and pains and sufferings and loss and the enemy breathing down our neck and, the, and, and, we're, and we're seeing through a, a glass darkly where the Lord is, You know, where sometimes it's so hard to see him, and yet we worship him that's the Lord preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. In the midst of God's enemies, we begin to worship him even through the worst difficulties we can go through. That touches God's heart in a way that we'll never be able to touch him when we're in perfection. And so don't waste our, don't waste our trials. We really need to, to use this. A great word, Lexi, man. Uh, yes, ma'am, really quick.
2: As I told you, my husband passed away on January 30th, and um, so I sold my house, and I'm getting ready to move into an RV. I have no idea where I'm going to live. I have no idea where I'm going to go, and it's going to happen on Wednesday. Petra's been really good and helped me with everything like that, but I just wanted to thank everybody here, thank this little church, because I've been coming here for about four times now, and it's really helped me. But You really touched me um, because of the worship. Um, You really spoke to me. My hands are sweating because I didn't want to talk, but God was telling me to talk. and so. um, But worship is like my number one thing. And all I've been doing since my husband passed away, because he was diagnosed on November 15th, and then he passed away on January 30th, is listening to Christian music and and just having it on in my house all the time. And um, that is what's gotten me through. This time, my husband was the love of my life. My soulmate. I mean, it's so cliche, but he really was. And um, so um, I'm just trusting because I, like I said, I have nowhere to go, nowhere to, par- I don't know where I'm going to park my RV, whatever. Um, so, uh, but I just wanted to thank you guys for having this little church here. And I'll be praying for you no matter where I go or where I am. I'll be praying for you guys. That's
1: just cool. Amen. Thank you. Life's tough. There's, you're gonna go through stuff. And, uh, but I have found, and I know this is true, that in the, the deepest pain and the, dif- the deepest difficulties we go through, when we open our heart up to the Lord in those moments, there's an intimacy and a presence of God that surpasses it. I mean, it's just like the sweetness of the Lord through our difficulties. Life's not meant to be easy. And um, there's heaven coming, and it's coming quick, guys. Jesus is really coming back. He really is. He's coming. We're not far away. And we're going to have eternity to be in joy, and there's no more pain, and the tears are wiped away. And, but now we get an opportunity to serve him. To, to It's only our one shot. I mean, if you live long, you live 90 years. If you're really 90, 100 years, that's like majorly a long life for us. And that's like that. It's just like that. It's a vapor. So let's serve him. Let's live for him. It's worth it. Let's live for eternity. We'll be praying for you too. Yes, ma'am. All right, guys. In that vein. I want to talk to you about a few things. Um, for those that prayed for the guys as we went to snowboard, thank you. The eldest of them really needed it <laughs> uh, as I struggled to get my jacket off. <sighs> um, I want to talk to you a little bit um, about what God's about to do, what He is doing, what He's about to do, some things that's happened to me over the last week and a half, two weeks, and, um, and just kind of paint a picture because, you, guys, if you've been coming here, you can feel the anticipation. There's a, there is an anointing that's coming. The, we've been crying out for, what, three or four years on a regular basis for the Lord to come that there would be a a rumor that the Lord is in our midst because he is in our midst. And, you know, we've been crying out for that, and you can feel it rising. You can feel it. When there is a hunger and a cry for God, he comes. You know, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. In Revelations, we see that, that Jesus stands at the door and knocks, and anyone who opens up, he will come in. You know? Jesus will not force himself even upon his church he stands at the door and knocks. You know how many churches don't let him in? You know how many people don't let him in? I don't want to be that way. And so we're, we're asking the Lord, and we're saying even now, Lord, you, this is your church. You are welcome to do whatever you want to, and we ask for the grace to allow it and to know where you're going and to let you do what you want to do. This is your church, Lord. But Lord, we want you here. We want you moving in our midst. Thank you for the miracles that you've already done. Thank you for the healings and deliverances and, 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 and salvation and the breakthroughs and the transformation. But we want more, Lord. We want more of you. You know, Jesus' first miracle was to change water into wine. And uh, it was his first recorded miracle. And it's also um, very significant. Anytime you see the first in the Bible, it's significant. And there's no accident. It wasn't an accident that Jesus did that. And there was a message that the um, head of the wedding said. He said, "What he, you know, he began to talk, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, what an amazing thing because most people they serve you the best wine. And then once you're drunk, and ha- basically, once you're drunk and you don't know the difference, they would give out the best wine or the worst wine because you really won't, by that point, you don't know. You know, but you, you have saved the best wine for last. When Jesus, when they ran out of wine at that wedding and Jesus took the water, there were six ceremonial pots. That were, that were used for cleansing, which represent man, because it's six. Man was made on the sixth day. Six pots, and he told them, you fill it up with water. That was a picture of us getting filled up with the Word of God because the Bible talks about the, the water having washed her with the water of the Word. Water represents many times the Word of God. That's why they had the priests the, in, the, in the Levitical law had to wash When they came into the courtyard, they had to wash every time. It's like us. We have to wash ourselves with the Word of God. And as we're faithful to put that Word in us, God will draw it out. And He'll change the Word into what what the wine represents, and that's the anointing. That's the way the Holy Spirit moves. That's why the Scripture says, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. See, there's a connection where the wine was representing the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus saved his best wine for last, and I want to tell you guys today that there is a move of God that is here. It's coming, but it's here, and we're about to see the best wine for last. We're going to see more miracles, more signs, more wonders, and the best of all, we're going to see him. We're going to see his presence in our life. You know, the word for Jesus' coming in the Greek is the word parousia. There's two words they use, but one word that's over and over again is the parousia. It means the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is going to come in a way before his physical return. There is going to be a manifest presence of God on the church That is going to be amazing. All through the scriptures you see this picture coming of the the nation streaming to your light. Isaiah 60, arise and shine for your light has come. For the glory of the Lord has filled the earth. Deep darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, but the glory of the Lord shall appear upon you. And then it goes on to say that you'll carry their sons and your daughters in your hands and it says the nations will stream to your light. This picture in Isaiah 60 is all throughout the scriptures in numerous places. The prophets have been prophesying it. it talked, uh, the Lord told Moses he said I want to tell you something for sure that the glory of the earth the glory of the Lord will fill the earth just as the water fills the seas. He promised us that his glory was coming. He promised it. It's coming guys. There's a hunger that's rising in his people, and that hunger is drawing him, and he's actually moving on us so that we're starving for him, what Josh was talking about, that insatiable hunger. It's happening. I'm going to tell you some stuff that's been going on with me in a minute, but um, this hunger, that cry within us, you know how I know the Lord's coming soon? It says in Revelations, I can tell you when Jesus is coming back, it says it right clear. I'm not talking about the day or the hour. I'm talking about the season. It says the spirit and the bride say come. When when, When the spirit of God is so moving on the church that his bride is so desperate for him, they're lovesick for their bridegroom. Jesus ain't coming back for a bride that's not hungry to be with him. He's coming back for a desperate bride, a body, the body of Christ, His people that are so desperate to be with Him that everything else is just pales in comparison. I don't want anything like I want you, Lord. And the Lord's coming back for that. And that's exciting. And that love I see awakening in His people. And it's going it's to be amazing. And I'm so excited about what the Lord's doing and how He is... all the nations will stream to the light. There is going to be a global harvest that is going to be like nothing we've ever seen. And guys, we need to get ready. I'm telling you guys, I am telling you, I wish I could, I am telling you, it's coming. It's coming, it's not far off, it's here. It really is here. Back in the, um, I guess this was about, 97 98 i started having the lord speak to me a lot about evangelism and reaching out to people and just sharing the sharing the gospel with them and he i was feeling him telling me to go to the streets i didn't want to go i'm very i know y'all don't y'all you know haven't seen me for the last few years Y'all might not get this, but I really have told y'all, and I really do mean this, I, I my natural state is fear. <laughs> I've dealt with so much fear in my life. I am a very timid person naturally. Fear of rejection, fear of just fear, golly. Fear to be out in public sometimes. I still deal with that psalm. It's gotten much as I've faced it and and not allowed it to control me and ask God to help me. And I've sought the Lord. As it says in Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fear. You know, I, I have had the battle though. But I am like one of the most timid people I knew. Now, I've, I've overcome a ton. But I was very fearful when the Lord spoke this to me. I didn't want to be, but I was. I wanted God to use me, but I was scared to death that he was going to use me. <laughs> It's like I'd pray for the Lord to speak to me and give me words for people, but I'd be terrified praying the prayer. And I'm like, Lord, I'm so afraid to ask for you to speak to me because I know that means I'll have to do something. (laughs) But yet I still want that. I'm like, Lord, help me with my fear. And I mean, literally just praying the prayer was overcoming because this demon of fear was just hitting me. And uh, and I just if anybody's experienced that, I want you to know there is freedom in the Lord to get free from this stuff. But the Lord kept speaking to me, go to the streets, and I would go home and have an answer. Somebody had left a message on an answer machine about a dream they had where I was in the streets pre- preaching. And I mean, it was just constant. The Lord giving me stuff, telling me to go. And it got to the point that it was either A, you're going to obey God and go, even though you're afraid, or B, you're going to disobey God and don't go. There was, I knew in my mind, there was no, this isn't God. No, this was God. I had to obey or disobey. It came that simple. And by the grace of God, I decided to obey. And I remember the first time I I picked this inner city neighborhood called Southside Homes in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was a low income housing complex. And uh, I went out and I remember going up to my first person and literally stuttering through the whole thing, or at least it felt that way. And, um, but the Lord touched this lady and we ended up having home group in her in her house for a while um, until she got offended. <laughs> we we, uh, we she was all hungry for the Lord until we suggested she got off her her, <laughs> her free money, uh, and uh, she got offended, and that was the end of home group uh, in the neighborhood. Uh, maybe that was a little too much, too quick. I don't know, but, or maybe it was just, it's, you know, you, it's not willing to pay the price. I don't know. But at any rate, we used to go out to this neighborhood Saturday after Saturday. And I end up having a team that started coming with me. I probably grew to probably 20 people, maybe 25 people in its strength. And then some days there'd be nobody, you know, it'd be by myself, I'd be by myself. It just, it, you never knew. And, uh, but we went through a season where there was a good number of us. But I'd go out and there was this one guy. He was a Lumbee Indian. Um, and his, his, uh, girlfriend was this white lady about, I don't know, 10 or 15 years older than him. They were living together. And, uh, he probably was in his mid to late 40s at the time. And, you know, I'm in my mid 20s. Uh, and I, we ministered to them. We just went up to them, started talking to them about the Lord, ministered to them. They were very receptive. We prayed with them. They, you know, they asked about our church. They went up saying we'd come get them the next morning for church. And we went out there the next morning and we knocked on the door and to pick them up for church. And we could hear them on the inside, but no one was coming to the door. We kept knocking and no one ended up coming. All right. So we turn around and get in your car and you go to church. And so the next Saturday, we were in the same neighborhood, and we saw them again. We ministered to them. We preached the Word of God to them. We loved on them. We prayed for them. We ministered to them. They were very receptive. They seemed like God was really touching them. They wanted to come to church, and uh, and so we, same thing, we went the next day, asked them to go, knocked on the door. We could hear them inside, but nobody came to the door. So that was kind of discouraging. You know, it's like you think you're moving forward. Well... We kept ministering in this neighborhood for years, and I never saw him again. It was weird because uh, this—it was a pretty big neighborhood, but um, but it was odd to not see him. But about two or three years later, we're out in the same neighborhood doing this. We were staying faithful, going after this, and um, I hear my name called. Or he may not even call my name. He he may have just shouted, "Hey!" You know. But he got my attention, and I could see this guy, same guy from across their way, and he was waving at me, and so I said, hey, you know, and we came up, and as soon as he came up to me and started talking, he could not stop. Scripture was just coming out of this guy. He was just on fire for Jesus, and it was like, I was so, I mean, it was amazing, and um, he ends up sharing that he, him, and his girlfriend had gotten right with God, and they, you know, they've been going to church, and he credited it all to our team coming and ministering to him. He said those were the turning points in our life, and we thought it was dead, dead seeds, you know, that didn't do anything. And uh, so I ended up deciding, if I get teary-eyed in a minute, I'm sorry. Um, I can feel it coming, and I'm trying not to let it burst, but this is what hit me a few weeks ago. I got, so sorry. Um, I... Hmm. I discipled this guy and his, his girlfriend for years, and uh, he couldn't even read, but the Lord taught him to read the Bible. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen, and the reason I knew it was he, what he was saying was true, that he couldn't read, because he would say words in the Bible, and he would pronounce them in a way that no one that knew how to read, they don't, he would say a word that, and I'm like, what are you, what are you saying? He's, and he would say the word, and he knew what it meant but he would say it wrong, like way wrong. I'm like, oh, no, that's not said like that. It says like this. He's like, oh, okay. He just got hungry, and he opened the Bible and started trying to read it, and he had never read before. He didn't know how to read. He grew up picking cotton over here in, in, in uh, Lumberton right here. Never learned to read. He was very poor. They were, and um, he had met his girlfriend at a bar. They started shacking up and, you know, but then the Lord comes in, and then the, I ended up being a disciple. They got married. He was a natural evangelist. Everywhere he'd go, he'd talk to people about the Lord. He just couldn't help it. it. just He'd start talking, and Jesus would come out. And it was so amazing. I'd go, and I'd spend time with them. I'd try to spend time with them at least a couple times a month. They didn't have a car. They couldn't drive, so going to church was tough. But man, he would listen to preachers on the TV set, and he was just hungry, and they just, their lives got really touched, and then um, he ended up moving to uh, Concord, which is north of Charlotte, and uh, I would see him less, but I would still go up to see him, and he would call from time to time, we'd talk, and uh, talk about always about the Lord, and he was just, he loved Jesus. Jesus had, tr- I mean, this was a true born-again experience, not a... You know, I've give mental assentment to Jesus, but there's no change in your life. This guy was transformed, and it was amazing. He used to be a, a drinker; he'd get drunk all the night, you know, all the time. And like when Jesus got him, he changed. He was totally changed, and it was amazing. And uh, his his, his uh, wife ended up dying, probably I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. I lose track of time. But uh, he called, I saw his name pop up on my phone a few weeks ago, and uh, I was dropping my daughter off at a friend's house, so I was going to call him right back. As soon as I dropped her off, I called, and his, his daughter picked up the phone, and I had this sinking feeling in my, in my gut, and um, I'm like, oh no, and uh, she told me he had, he had just passed the day before. And she'd said that he was just ready to go home. He was, you know, he was, I think he probably fought a little bit with depression. He was, um, he, he was, you know, he was stuck in a trailer out in the middle of the boondocks with no church life. And uh, just had a lot of health issues, but man, he loved Jesus. And uh, when I started thinking about that, it was like, wow. I just, I, as I, after I got off the phone with her, I just got overwhelmed with emotion because, I'm sorry, this guy's in eternity worshiping Jesus because I went, I went, talked to a stranger and just shared what I had and let God be God. And this guy's in heaven worshiping with his wife again. Loving on Jesus and I'm going to get to be with him forever because I went. And the, the overwhelming emotion of that, I just, I mean, I just, I just, I lost it. Because I realized that those Saturdays that I dreaded going and everything in the world would try to keep me from going, but I would go anyway because the Lord told me to go. And here's my fruit. And I begin to get convicted because I don't go like that anymore. And I was thinking, all you got to do is I can walk out on the street anytime and gotta reach somebody. I've been out. I've I've been out so many times in my life just to go out in the streets to minister to somebody and let God bring me. And everybody I talk to may not. There might not be fruit in it, but I've never went out and not had at least one person that I know life's got changed for eternity. There's always at least that one person that gets just like bam, like you knew this was that divine appointment for the day, and it it was a game changer for that person. And so it feel you know you go back just filled up with the excitement and the man God just did this. It's amazing. And I have all, I've all—I've never not experienced that except for maybe two or three times. And, and in those times, I was by myself and I allowed fear to hit me to where I really didn't step out and go up to some of the people that I knew I should have. There were some times I tucked tail and ran, didn't have anybody with me. And I've went by myself before and had God move so powerfully, it was just... But there were other times I ran like a chicken. Did, just feeling the fear and didn't want to go up to say, And so I just took off. I'm done for the day. And... Um, but other than those few times that I allow fear to get in, I've never went out and not had an encounter with the Lord in somebody's life that, changed, that I know impacted them. And I was getting hit with this thing, and, I, and, a, and a scripture just came up inside of me. And it said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And that rose up inside of me, and I'm just weeping and weeping and weeping. And I look up, and right beside me is this car, and its license tag is 6100. Isaiah, I mean, you know, 61, meaning Isaiah 61. That's the scripture that just came up to me. Isaiah 61, for the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And I, and I thought, huh. And I looked over, I just happened to look down at my odometer, and it ended on 61, and, I, and now my, he really had my attention. And then I looked up on my, on my dashboard, and the temperature outside was 61 degrees. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh, Lord, you are really speaking something. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I felt conviction, but I also felt incredible. I don't know, it was like bittersweet. It's like, I don't know how to tell you. It's just like when you know somebody's worshiping Jesus right now because of your impact in their life, that just it overwhelmed me, but it also made me realize how many people could be there. It's like, it's like if you've ever seen uh, the movie, um, what's that movie, Schindler's List. At the end of the movie, you know, he had saved all these Jewish people. And he put, he he was, the the war was over and the people were sending him off, the Jews, and he just got overwhelmed and he looked at his ring and he said, I could have bought one more because he was buying Jews from the Germans, slavement camp to, so that they, he would, they would work in his factory. But reality is he was just using as a front to rescue the Jews. He said, I could have bought one more. And I saw that, when I saw that movie, it just struck me, I got a feeling we're going to say that a lot in heaven when we get there, when we realize the things that we could have done that we didn't that would have impacted one more person's life. And I'm not trying to be heavy, but there is a, there is a reality to that. And um, so that's what it hit me when I saw that. And I thought, the Lord has anointed me. Um, how many people have heard of Chris Reed? Okay. Chris Reed is a, I mean, he's a prophet. I mean, no other way to say it. This dude's a prophet. First time I met Chris, um, I'd never met him before, and I was in. A, I was in was just hanging out with Rick and some other people, and Chris came in, and um, I was talking to the group. I was talking to him about my street and um, what was going on in the market and how my housing, the houses on my street were just, you know, went up. I think I... I think I, over the last few years, I think I gained like $180,000 in equity in my home just from the jump. As anybody that's on the home right now, you know that just has happened. It's been kind of crazy. Um, and I was, I was talking to him. I never mentioned my street. I just said, I just mentioned my street, like uh, the houses on my street. Well, I never mentioned the name of my street. And he goes, he just kind of said, Spencer. And I looked over at him because that's the name of my street. And he says, 616. And I was like, yeah. And then he goes, the Lord has a, a, a riddle for you. The Lord gives us guy's riddles. That's the kind of reason why I'm telling you this, because I want to tell you another riddle he, he, the Lord gave him. He said, some say you're a branch that is green, but he's going to increase your prophetic revelation because your heart is clean. Well, my business that I, I have, I'm a general contractor. I have a construction called Green Branch. And the number one cry of my heart has been that the Lord would let me walk in high-level prophetic revelation where I would be like Samuel and none of my words fall to the ground. I'm not there, but I am going for it. And, um, but I have always prayed that the Lord would deal with my heart so that whenever I get released in the power that I want to walk in, it, the power wouldn't kill me. Because if, you're, if you allow selfish ambition and some stuff in your lives, if your character hasn't been developed, the power of God will kill you. I mean, it really will. It'll, it'll just eat you up. And, and I've seen it over and over again in people that, that have walked in it without character. We become like a Samson who, you know, who is a picture of walking in the power of the Holy Spirit but not really having control over our flesh to where you end up poking your eyes out and being enslaved and, uh, and that's a, really a picture of people that walk in the power of God without dealing with their character. And so for him to say that to me was very meaningful. And then he goes on to say some other stuff that was very meaningful. I had specifically asked the Lord, I've been asking the Lord a question. And he answered, it was really amazing. And then as he finished praying, he kind of prayed over me. And then he said, and the Lord bless you and Lindsay and Alexa and Haven. And he had never, he never met me or my family. So there's no way for him to know the names of my family. I've seen this guy do this. He's called people out of audiences and tell them the dream that they had and then what it means. I mean, he's really an amazing guy. My point in saying all that is this guy's legit, okay? One of the riddles that he had, uh, he said the Lord spoke to him and he didn't know what it meant. He said, but the Lord told him that when the prince has passed, it will be 418 at last. And he had this word, and he didn't know what it meant. And, um, and so some time went on, and come to find out, I'm sorry, this is a little bit in- intricate, but who knows Paul Kane? Okay, just a few of you. Okay, Paul Cain is kind of like Chris, but probably even, I mean, some of the stuff that Paul Cain walked in was like, I mean, high-level stuff same kind of stuff you know but paul's mama without taking too much time paul's mama really was a prophetic voice she had gotten healed when she was in her 40s of um she had tuberculosis she had cancer she had uh, tumors on her womb and she was eight months or pregnant and the doctor sent her home to die and the baby to die but she had a visitation from i don't know if it was an angel or the lord there's i've heard different versions but she got dramatically healed and lived to think to be 105 or something i mean she was like and but the lord told her that this her son would be like the apostle paul in the bible and he would preach the gospel with power well this guy in the 19 late 1940s and 1950s had I mean, he had this tent, and he would go around, and I mean, the power of God was demonstrated in such a dramatic way. But when Paul's mom was about to die, she told Paul, she said, I'm going to, the Lord's given me a word for you, but I don't know what it is until I'm dying. And so when his, her mom, his, his mom was on her deathbed, she had went in and out of a coma, and he didn't have the word. So Paul was like asking people to pray because he wanted this word from the Lord that his mama said that she had gotten, but she don't know what it is yet. And um, but then she 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 kind of woke up out of her coma, whisk, told Paul to come here. She whispered in his ear, um, and what she said was, she says it's now time for Luke four eighteen. And then she, she closed her eyes and died. And Mike Bickle, if you've heard of him, he was in the room with Paul and he looked up right when he saw her breather last and the clock was 4.18 and she died on 4.18. She died on the date, April the 18th, at 4.18 and that was the word that she just gave to her son. She couldn't have made that up. Well, let's read 4.18. Luke 4.18 is basically Jesus repeating Isaiah 61. Let's read it. This is when Jesus went into the the synagogue and he was preaching and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed And then verse 19, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The wonderful thing that Jesus promised us is, He said, "Even as I was sent, so I send you." So, if you're wondering how this applies to you, if you're a born again believer, then this promise is for you because this was let me, this was how Jesus started His ministry. He closed. And let me read the next few verses after he 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 quoted and read Isaiah 61. He goes on to say, and he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The beginning of his ministry was a declaration of agreement that God had, that this passage was spoken some 800 years earlier about Him coming at this moment. The Lord had anointed Him. You know, it says in Acts 10.38 that God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and with power, and He went about doing good, healing all those oppressed of the devil. There's a lot in that. But the reality was that the power and the anointing that Jesus walked in, it was not just to preach, it was to It was to preach the gospel to the poor, but he also sent to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of the sight of the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim a year in which the Lord's favor is now upon you. His favor is now upon you. That's what the Lord says. He was anointed to preach, but he was also anointed to set people free from every bondage, every shackle, everything. And he went about healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead. He he was under the full anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he said, the works I do, ye shall do, and even greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. The anointing that was on Jesus is upon us. It is. Jesus said to wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be clothed with power from on high, to be witnesses. Unfortunately, we've walked in a thing where oftentimes, and I'm not downing this at all. I'm just saying get ready because these days are over. But we've walked as a church in the word without the power. Let's just get real. We've walked in a lot of word, which is good. I love the word. I've had people get born again on the streets just by the word of God. But it wasn't enough for Jesus' ministry. It wasn't enough for the apostles' ministry. I mean, what did Paul proclaim over and over again? I did not come with persuasive words of wisdom, but in power and the demonstra- demonstration of the power of the spirit. Jesus said, if you don't believe me, at least believe because of the works that I have done. And Jesus promised his body that the works I do ye shall do and even greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. He said the Holy Spirit was coming and he was going to clothe us with power from on high. And I'm telling you today this is the word of the Lord. He has saved his best wine for last and God's power is coming upon his church. We're going for those that are willing to follow him, to seek Him, there's going to be a release of power on your life to do what Jesus did. And I'm telling you, because I can say it because He said it. The works I do, you will do, and even greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. Is Jesus a liar? Then we need to change our mindset. Our mind's got to change. It's available. And the Lord has confirmed this word through two prophets. Chris Reed said, when the prince has passed, it will be 418 at last. He didn't know what it meant until he heard about the, the Paul Kane thing. And when he heard it, it was obvious what it was talking about. She died on 418, at 418, their last word to her son, it's now time for Luke 418. That's amazing. I want to read this. The prince that um, Chris was referring to was Prince Philip. Prince Philip died. Uh, He was the Duke of Edinburgh, husband of Queen Elizabeth II of the United Kingdom and over Commonwealth realms and the longest-serving royal consort. In world history, died in Windsor Castle at the age of guess what age he was? 99. If what did the Lord say? He would leave the 99 to go get the one. This was a message about us going out into the into leaving our comfort. Jesus left the comfort of heaven to go reach people. And we don't even want to leave our couch. And I'm guilty. I've had a lot of success in that area, but I have a lot of guilt where I sit when I shouldn't sit. I, there's no accident there. He died at the age of 99 on the morning of April the 9th in 2021, two months before his 100th birthday. But here's the thing. His funeral took place on the, April the 17th. His funeral took place on April 417 when the prince has passed. It's 418 at last. Are y'all hearing that? Man, I'm stoked. Something started happening to me uh, Thursday night and into Friday. And there was like this insatiable hunger that I could not, I mean, I I, 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 it was the Spirit of God. You know how intercession sometimes will jump on you, and you can pray in a way that you wouldn't pray outside of the Spirit praying through you. I wailed, and I'm, when, I, when I mean wailing, I mean I'm glad nobody was at my house. I have no idea what my neighbors thought, if they heard it, and they probably did. I wailed for hours because of a hunger that, I, that the Lord had put in me for something. And I had an encounter with the Lord that day he, he really did sum up um, my life and, and my purpose. All these little puzzle pieces that I had all over the place, and it was like it was missing just a few pieces to bring it all together. And he gave me those pieces, and it was, and, and I mean, it, it was an amazing thing. And I, 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 I see it, and I see it so clearly. But it's not just for me, it's the Lord really is releasing his power to his people to do what has to be done because he saved his best one for last. The glo- you know, Benjamin was the last son of Israel, right? And he was given five times more than all his brothers. There is a five-time anointing coming on the last day church. That's going to be amazing. It's going to be beyond. We've heard after this whole experience Friday, when I when when I finally, I mean, I mean, it went on for hours, just going back and forth with the Lord, and just I would I would hear some things, and I wrote some stuff down, and then I would just, just this thing would rise up in me again, and I would cry and cry and cry, and just crying out to the Lord and when it finished i was i was sitting on my bed and all of a sudden i saw this white light appear it was about i don't know about that big and it went zoom right out my wall and i knew i had to follow it. it and i and i and i got scared because it was going to my i knew i just knew it was going the direction but i also knew it was going to that neighbor's house that I'm terrified to talk to the Lord because he's he's not real open to the Lord. <laughs> I've prayed for him before, and it it you know he let me, but it you could tell there was there was something brewing that wasn't good, and I, I just did not want to go over there. And when I walked out my door, my wife was coming in, and I, that could I, I I was tempted to just say, "Oh, my wife's here, can't do it." And I had this shoot of electricity go through my middle finger. Which y'all know, if y'all have done this, this is your evangelism finger. I can explain that later. But that's some of the ways the Lord will speak to me. And I knew the Lord was telling me to go. And so I walked down the street, and I'm like, well, he's not there. He's not outside, Lord. (laughs) And I kept having this shoot of electricity go through my finger. Like, you, you don't give up on this. And so I went back inside and I was like, no, I gotta do this. I went back outside. I just walked around a little bit and then I saw him come out of his garage and I went. And uh, I just talked to him for about an hour and there was some there was you know, he actually talked to me, he showed me around some things, we talked. And then I ended up sharing some things. I, the Lord came out a little bit, you know, I got to talk I said, I've made a few I planted a few seeds. And uh, I don't know if I really fulfilled everything that God had for me in that, but I certainly planted a few seeds about the Lord. This guy's not very open, and um, and I've been praying for him ever since then. But the, but here's the point in me saying that: it is time for us to go. It's time. The Lord is coming. We don't have much time left. It's time to make a difference in eternity. And we can do that with our time. Just being willing to go. He doesn't need your strength. He doesn't need you to feel like you got a polished message or that you're the perfect spokesman. I led one of my best friends to the Lord, and it was the worst presentation of the gospel that I think has ever been preached on the planet. I stumbled, it was so bad I didn't even want to hear it. It was bad. I'm not kidding. It was I was struggling and stumbling. I was scared to death because this guy had never been to church before. And we were only friends from a very carnal way, in the sense that we were like workout gym rats together, and then the Lord got a hold of me, and we really didn't have a lot in common anymore. And but I did it. It was very like abrupt. No leading, no, you know, there's times the anointing is on you and you speaking and you can feel the Lord on it and he that you can feel the hunger drawing it out. It wasn't like that. (laughs) It was rough. But this guy goes I, I knew this was might be the last time I ever saw this guy. And he went off to the Orient and I didn't know if he was coming back. And uh while he was there, he got messed up in a bunch of uh prostitution and he could just feel his soul being just sucked out of him. Because he got addicted, and he could not stop. And he was on the, you know, but he could, he could feel it killing him. And he though he'd never been to church, never, I mean, not from a religious family, he, all of a sudden, you know, he just heard my voice in his, in his hotel room. If anyone calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And he literally fell on his knees and cried out to Jesus and got born again in a hotel room all the way across the world because of my my very weak, not good presentation of the gospel, and he ended up giving his life to Jesus right there. And that was came through incredible weakness. I wish I, y'all could have been there to see the incredible weakness that it was. So we can't say we don't. We can't do it. God doesn't need strength, and I've said this a lot, but. It's not our weakness that limits God. It's our unwillingness. Unwillingness limits God. Weakness does not. Okay? Lord, I'm asking that you would come and you would help us and give us the grace to follow your spirit everywhere it leads us to be messengers for you to everyone that needs it. Lord, come and put the burden that you have upon us that we would have your heart and love what you love and hate what you hate and that we would have a des- just this love that you have for mankind. You loved them so much that you gave yourself to be broken. You hung on a cross. You had your flesh ripped out of your body. You took our punishment on the cross because you knew that, if any, that because of what you do, you were satisfying the justice of God so that if anyone would call on your name, they could be born again, become a child of the King, and spend eternity with you. Lord, give us the grace to go. It's like Isaiah, Lord, here I am, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. And Lord, we're going to declare this in faith today, over ourselves. Let's say this out loud, guys. This is, if you you read it, declare this over yourself. Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. The recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The Lord is sending you. He's anointing you. He is anointing you. He's not... He's not anointing your neighbor as far as it's concerned for you. It's not your neighbor's job. It's your job. You've been anointed. You've been anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Go, preach the gospel to the poor. You've been anointed for it. Thank you, Lord.